What's up, Abbaology peeps? It's Jake. I'm feeling crazy inside. You might sense my energy. We get on a plane to go back to Kentucky tomorrow. So, I wanted to crank out a podcast. I've been thinking about this all week. It's a little bit of a continuation uh, for last week. I know it's a big idea that you are only under the new covenant if you believe you are. Um, but I And I think it's big enough that, that I'm going to do a few episodes on it. So I actually want to start today, um, I want to give a statement and then I want to read some lyrics by a song that I love, by a band that I love called Big Wreck. They're from Canada. They've been around for, gosh, they came out in the late, mid to late 90s and they've had a journey with uh, the lead singer going solo and then the band getting back together in like 2010. Um, but if you like rock, if you like good lyrics, I don't work for them. Um, amazing guitar playing. Uh, the lead singer and lead guitar player is a guy named Ian Thornley. And if you like music, I mean, even if you're not into rock, he is worth checking out because he's just totally on another level. Uh, but he's a great lyricist too. And, um, you know, I want to just throw out the idea that, you know, you're only under a covenant if you be- have a belief that you need to be. And I know that it's like, huh? But we're the ones that are determining what we believe we need, what we believe we need to spend time on, um, what we believe we need to pursue. We're the ones creating that from our core beliefs. And those core beliefs took root from the ages of 0 to 12. Um, And then those core beliefs either turn out to be really healthy, some of them, which is great, and others uh, need to be purged. And usually that takes a process because those those beliefs have been your beliefs for long enough that it's essentially part of you. And that part of you, that version of you, almost needs to to cease to exist. And then this new, this new version, uh, in a way, resurrect, you know, this... This new version that is freer, that is that is more peaceful, that um, has less complicated thoughts, you know, is is just hanging out in that tomb waiting for the third day. And um, these are kind of some third day ideas that I that that have caused resurrection in my life, um, you know. And um, and so I want to share. And, and I have had the journey, I have had the church journey, I grew up in church, was taught from the whole Bible, thought I was under the old covenant because I believed my right standing with God was based on my performance, according, um, or ability to adhere to the behavioral code put forth by my preacher and youth minister and Sunday school teacher. And so I have had that journey, um, and now I don't believe I was ever under a covenant, and no one's ever actually been under the covenant. We just needed to believe that because it was the culture, uh, you know, in the case of the old covenant or even Abraham, uh, Noah, those guys' covenants, blood covenants were normal in their culture, so God chose that language to, to connect with them, um, chose covenant language and covenant rituals, covenant ceremonies, uh, sacrifice was normal in their time, so God, he wants to bring this amazing revelation to Abraham that he's not like these um, these pagan gods that require human sacrifice. 
by telling Abraham not to sacrifice his child, but Abraham did not hesitate to go and sacrifice this long-awaited child of promise, his, his precious Isaac, because that was normal for gods to ask that. So, so God um, is, is using what, is, what feels familiar to Abraham culturally in order to bring him this amazing revelation where he, from that point on he will, he will know that the, the, quote, one true God does not require sacrifice and certainly doesn't approve of child sacrifice, which is what is so amazing about the gospel that we were presented, which is essentially that God committed child sacrifice, something that he has called an abomination throughout the the Old Testament scriptures. Um, and, you know, when you see that, you can't unsee it, you know, and then um, you have questions like, well, why did Jesus even need to die? And if you want to, I think I did two messages called Healthy Reasons Jesus Needed to Die, but that is on my old church podcast, um, which is still up, Grace Culture Podcast, um, and then you can just search for the episodes about uh, healthy reasons, non-toxic reasons. It's like healthy or non-toxic reasons Jesus had to die, Um, but those were very helpful when I was at that point on the journey where I no longer believed in the doctrine of penal substitution or that, and that God committed child sacrifice. But I was like, well, why did Jesus even need to die? So that may be helpful for you. But I want to read, um, I want to read this, these lyrics and, um, and I wanted this episode to be about how, how you got to the point that you believe you live under the new covenant, um, how, how we got there, because there is a journey, and it's healthy to ask ourselves, how did I end up here? Um, so I'm going to read this because uh, I feel like it's very rele- relevant, and this is um, a song called Time by Big Wreck, um, and it says, and there's a few of these lyrics that I really want to focus on, so just really think about these. The song's called Time. Uh, It says, A pretty little memory fades away. Nobody ever takes notice. Grandfather clocks and the wristwatch will never be on your side. I'm sure I've killed more than my share of it, and still the moments tick away. If I could go back in time, what would I change of mine? So that's that's one of the ones I want to focus on. Is there any such thing as a waste of time? Time is the one wasting us. And all the moments that you feel you need to keep will surely be swept away. They say that time will heal up all your wounds, but isn't it a wound itself? If I could go back in time, what would I change of mine? I wasted way too much of it just wishing I could go back in it. It takes time to figure out why I'm always running out. Left on your own, you count the moments. Time, it flies, it comes and goes, takes forever. Through the years, we disappear. If I could go back in time, what would I change of mine? So, um, well, it says it t- it takes time to figure out why I'm always running out. So YouTube that song, Apple Music, Spotify that song, Time by Big Wreck, because, you know, with the music, it's even more powerful, obviously. But if you could go back in time, what would you change of yours? 
And if I could go back in time, although I don't like to spend spend a lot of time wishing I could change the past, um, the reason that a new covenant revelation was so powerful is because when I was a a child, I was led to believe I was under the old covenant. And so what happened is the way my thinking about God was framed during those years, there are constructs being erected in your mind from these teachings during your formative years. And, you know, I so what results is you believe you're under, number one, a covenant, and number two, probably the old covenant, because you you believe you're only as good as you know, your behavior according to the behavioral code you believe God has placed on you. And, and you know, through all those years of Sunday sermons, you, you begin to believe that um, since you're not really being taught otherwise, that this preacher is the voice of God. So what he says carries, or she, probably he, <laughs> um, carries the authority as if God is speaking to you. So then what we do is if you can picture your little mind, you you are absorbing these teachings as truth. You are you are saying, you know, I I trust the voice of this of this minister, this preacher, this teacher, and I'm going to absorb this as truth because you don't know it's possible to not absorb it. You don't know that it's okay to object. Your parents are taking you there every week, so you know, um, you just listen, and and you, um, you may be forming objections. I remember having having objections, especially when I became a teenager and became a little more thoughtful. Um, there's a quote by Brian Zahn that I like. He says, "The doctrine of endless torment, or the doctrine of hell, can only sur- cannot survive a thoughtful person." So, when you become a little more thoughtful, maybe in your adolescence. You you probably did have some objections, but the culture at your church may have been questions weren't allowed. Just have faith. Uh, why are you questioning the Bible? Um, you know you might end up deceived, reprobate, apostate, and so then the second ingredient of this cocktail that is forming these ideas about God and how you relate to God and how God sees you is is the fear that's attached to all these doctrines. Usually there's a threat. Um, you know, if you die with unconfessed sin, then you'll wake up in hell. If you are not living holy when Jesus returns any minute, he's going to leave you behind. Um, these are threats. You know, if if you don't receive Jesus, you will spend eternity in hell. So we call these things people making a choice for Jesus, but we're actually taking their choice away. You know, this is literally coercion. You you get people to do things that they don't really want to do because they fear what will happen if they don't. So, of course, we all said yes to Jesus and walked the aisle and raised our hand and said the, the sinner's prayer because we didn't want to go to hell and we didn't want to get left behind. And then we kept receiving Jesus over and over and over and over and over because it's like God was just keeping such a ledger, you know, on on all of our sins. So you come out of those years, and, you know, it's interesting, like when I talked to my dad, um, he told me that he was sorry he never followed our church, but he just can't do the whole church thing. And I asked him why, and he said when he was a teenager, 
he w- he would ask his dad, my grandfather, who was a Baptist preacher, about sin nature. He would ask him about hell and the rapture, and he would and he would take the Bible to my grandfather and show him contradictions that he found. And my grandfather would always say, "Quit questioning things, boy. You need to just believe, have faith." You know. And my dad concluded, my dad is a very smart guy, he's a thoughtful guy, and he just concluded if if this religion can't withstand scrutiny and basic questions that arise from the teachings, then I don't think it's worth following. So when he was 14, he made that vow inside, and now he's almost 80, and he's still in that exact same place. And he rejected the version of God and the version of Christianity that was given to him because it couldn't withstand any scrutiny. So we we didn't scrutinize a lot because we were so fearful. But I want us to see that the reason the new covenant revelation is so great is because we still need to believe we're in a covenant because that's the language we're familiar with because of growing up in church and coming away believing we were under the old covenant. So a new covenant teacher comes, whether it be Andrew Womack or Joseph Prince or Dr. Lynn Hiles or Andy Stanley is preaching the New Covenant a lot now. And so, especially like if they teach from the book of Hebrews or Galatians, book books in the Bible that, um, you know, the writer really compares living under the two scenarios. One, a, a, a covenant where it's up to you, how you stand with God, and how you behave determines whether you're in good standing or not. And then this other covenant where this man, Jesus, came and he behaved perfectly on your behalf if you have faith that he behaved perfectly on your behalf to meet the standards and the need for sacrifice of this holy God. So at this point, you have not deconstructed penal substitution or God committing child sacrifice on the cross. Those are things that, those are questions that come up later. Right now, you're still okay with the fact that God needed to kill somebody um, to be okay with you. You haven't questioned that yet. You just want out of the bondage that is this, this scenario you believe you're in with God. The bondage that you're only as saved as your behavior or as damned as your behavior. So that's the bondage that you feel when you have an old covenant type way of relating to God. Okay? So a new covenant teacher comes and he's not talking penal substitution, eschatology, sin, nature, hell. You're not there yet. Okay? Your thinking is still covenantal. That is the language you're familiar with. So then you hear about this new covenant that is way better and is all based on what Jesus did. Well, this is like, that teacher is like a, a Messiah to you. They, they come and they bring this, it's still a covenant, okay? And you feel safe in covenants. You feel familiar with covenants and that type of language. It's just a better covenant, a new and better covenant based on better promises and a better sacrifice like the book of Hebrews says. Remember, at this time, you haven't started questioning the other stuff. This is the first shift that happens, a grace or a new covenant revelation that begins to set you free from performance-based religion, where you, you earn standing with God and, and forfeit it through behavior or lack of behavior. So, you're not questioning that other stuff yet. And, 
But I want to point out, at this point, you are still moving from one legal scenario and legal document to another. It's just that the new legal document is better. Okay? But the thing is, then then you go on this this journey. So then you you you've moved into new covenant and and that's in place. That that replaces that old structure that you formed being in church for all those years. It replaces it. And this is a much more solid structure that provides you with just it feels like more liberation than you ever thought was possible. You're so relieved. You can go to sleep. You don't, you're not worried about confessing every sin or that Jesus is going to leave you behind. It delivers you from a great deal of fear. So then what happens is you have that in place, and you don't uh, foresee that there's a need to revisit whether you're in a covenant or not. And then you go on the journey where you're like, did, if God's a loving Father, did he, did he really need to sacrifice his son? You know, And then you start questioning penal substitution. Then you're like, wow, it doesn't really seem like a loving father to roast two-thirds of humanity consciously with endless duration in the afterlife. And then you go study hell. And then you're like, really? Jesus is going to come back on horseback with a bow and arrow and murder millions and millions of people, and he's going to leave the ones that aren't holy enough behind? Does that sound like a loving father? Does that sound like this this God that that is good all the time? And so you, I want you to picture that that new covenant belief is still lodged in your theological uh, framework, in your brain. It's lodged, and you don't think there's any need to touch that, and there isn't at that time. Because that is what gives you the new covenant revelation, gives you the stability to go and study those other things and not feel like you've lost your salvation. Because you've heard... You know, if you if you ask questions, you're going to end up deceived your whole life. So, and finally, you know, your faith or your trust is is in Jesus and His performance, but you are still relating to a in a legal manner. He's still you're still in the behavioral realm because you believe Jesus's behavior covers you, and that is why God can allow you entrance into heaven is because Jesus' perfect performance covered you. So that works for a few years, okay? And maybe it'll work for you the rest of your life. Maybe you're the type of person that isn't curious and doesn't keep going beyond that. And that is totally great. No condemnation. But that legal scenario, it is only as good as your revelation of Abba. Because when you really start to consider what Jesus brought forth, that we all come from one source and we're all one family, and that we're not actually in a courtroom, we are in the living room, the dining room, sharing wine and bread, okay? Communing together, communing together, and no one is thinking about, have I done enough to, to deserve being here, okay? That, that thinking is gone, so the Abba revelation really challenges these legal concepts you have. And so what I want to put forth is that the more you think about Abba, source, that we're all one family, humanity is one family, uh, we just don't quite have the revelation of it, um, these legal concepts start to work less and less. Okay, so 
what you realize is that, hold on, maybe I've never been under a covenant of any kind. I just needed to believe, I needed covenant language to shift out of that old fear-based law relationship to God based on my behavior and religious performance into a new covenant that was based on Jesus's behavior and performance because I felt safe using covenant language and I felt familiar with covenant language. So Abba, the divine, is so loving that he slash she uses language we are comfortable with to connect with us. But he's a liberator by nature. So, but he's not forceful. So, so he will hang out with you in, in that scenario, the new covenant scenario, as long as you need. But once you've unpacked hell and sin nature and penal substitution and inerrancy and contradictions and all this stuff, you still have that new covenant peace lodged because it is what gave you the stability to go and study that other stuff. But once you've worked out that other stuff, then it's like this empty room and you have that new covenant thing still lodged in there. And you're like, huh, maybe God let me believe I was in a covenant because that's what I needed to believe to be able to hear all the other stuff he was saying. And maybe I've never actually been under a covenant. I just believed I was. You know what what um it families don't need covenants. We don't need legal documents if we're if we're really family. You know, if there's really unconditional love. That legal, you know, uh if if someone dies, maybe you leave a will, you know, that that's a that's a legal document. But Jesus, he was a man born under the law, sent to redeem those under the law. So he came into the language and the culture and the way of relating to God that they were comfortable with because there's no way anybody was going to hear him if he didn't. And that's the pattern we see all through Scripture is God coming into, just like he did with Abraham. Abraham was used to the gods that he believed in culturally that he was exposed to requiring the sacrifice of the firstborn child. So, so he's like, sure, I'll, I'll sacrifice Isaac. And you're reading this, and you're like, how is he so okay with this? That's what he was used to. God knew the whole time, um, you know, he, he's not going to require this sacrifice, and he's going to give Abraham this revelation that, that Abba does not require child sacrifice, which was a huge shift for Abram or Abraham and it really differentiated Abba from all these other gods, like Molech and Baal. So that was a massive revelation for him. Um, but culturally, he was used to child sacrifice, so God meets him in that under- understanding, even though God doesn't agree with it. Jesus is more secure than we give him credit for. He's willing to be called universe, divine, mother, father, uh, great spirit. He's willing to be called any th- any of these things because he wants to connect with his creation. Whether they're Native Americans or Buddhists or Muslims, or it doesn't matter. He wants to connect. 
So he's going to come into their framework just like he did when he went to first century Jerusalem. He came into their framework and met with them there. And then he and then he was also at the same time releasing his own message that was going to bring those people forward and help them ascend in consciousness. So over those years in church, we also began to believe that our our life needs to be based on the Bible. The Bible itself says that the law is written on our hearts. It doesn't even say that it's written on pages. And Jesus says, I'm the word of God. You guys, you keep searching for eternal or the, the Greek word zoe, you know, uh, ionios zoe, age-enduring, highest quality life. You keep searching for that on these pages, but I am eternal life and I'm right here. So he was showing this example of, yeah, I was born into this fundamentalist religion, but it is not going to write my story. It is not going to own me. I'm not going to stay in this bondage. So what will you do? Will you, will you stay? If you're on this podcast, you, you're already very, 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 very free. Um, but you will eventually have this question about covenant. And then you really feel alone. <laughs> but you can't receive it until you're ready for it. So when you, you've dealt with most of these things, to me, it, it causes me to think about how much Abba loves me. And now I don't need to believe I'm under the new covenant anymore, so I don't believe it. But I include and transcend. Without that peace, I never could have gone and had the boldness and the stability to go and study all of those sacred cows like hell and sin nature and all those controversial ones if I didn't feel safe within the new covenant myself. So the new covenant revelation gave me safety and stability to go explore all those other teachings you find out which ones are true, which ones aren't. You purge with the ones that aren't. Uh, you endure the relational cost when you're when you're losing friends and preacher friends and regular friends and um, all the relational pain that happens if you continue on your theological journey. But at the same time, Abba is faithful to provide new friends in your life that are where you are or maybe even a year or two ahead that don't think you're crazy, that don't think you're heretical. And so the goodness of Abba can be seen on this journey all over the place. But you only believed you were you only believe you're under the new covenant if you still believe you need to be under the new covenant. But as you move into sonship, daughtership, a real family revelation, you start to realize, okay, I needed to believe I was under a legal contract, just a more liberating legal contract, because the language I was familiar with was legal contract language like a covenant. So God brought me into a new covenant revelation, and that gave me stability and freedom and delivered me from fear and, and gave me the boldness to maybe explore some other teachings and find out if they were healthy or toxic. But now I don't think I need the new covenant any, anymore because I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I don't need a legal contract saying that. Like we said on the last episode, my children, you know, they're, they're sons and daughters. So my son doesn't say, hey, dad, in order to get you to do this, to bless me in this way or that way, uh, here I am. I have page six and paragraph three of the covenant between us. He doesn't need to say that, neither do my daughters, because we're family. Okay, we're, we're not 
in a courtroom, we're in a family room, we're at the dining room table, we're we're drinking wine, having a blast, uh, you know, eating bread, eating lamb, you know, like Lynn Hiles says, my belly's full of lamb and wine, I love it. Um, man, he can really get you fired up. Um, so I want to put, so hopefully you understand what I'm saying and you can, and you can think on that. I touched real quickly on the whole Bible-based life thing. Uh, maybe that'll be next episode. So if you could go back in time, what would you change of yours? Um, the, the reason I l- read those lyrics is if we had not been taught from the library of scrolls that is the Bible that contains two main covenants and also little little smaller covenants like the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant and the Noahic covenant. I'm mostly talking about the old covenant and the new covenant, Moses and Joshua, Moses and Jesus. If we had not been taught from that giant library of scrolls and if we had not walked away thinking that we relate to God through do's and don'ts, and it's essentially a legal arrangement, then we wouldn't have even needed a new covenant revelation. But because that was our understanding, and it was the Jewish people's understanding, even though they weren't actually under the old covenant, they were always the children of God, but they, they, re, they were their level of consciousness and what they were familiar with and felt safe within was a covenant. So, so they, they are allowed to believe they're under a covenant because they were, they were moving forward and ascending in consciousness steadily and slowly, okay? And then Jesus comes, and then he meets them in that covenant because it was necessary to connect with them because that's how they thought. And then he moves them into a new covenant because if he totally took them out of a covenant, it would be too much. They couldn't handle it. So remember Jesus said, uh, he said, I have much more to say to you, but you can't bear it now. Okay, this is one of those revelations. So you may be at the point where you can bear the realization you've never been under a covenant. No one's ever been under a covenant. They only believed they were. They were comfortable with covenants and that type of language. So God met them there and communed with them there. But then Jesus was born into that reality and then he led them out of it, but it would have been too much to bring them fully out of covenant language because they needed that familiarity and that stability to anchor them during their transition covenantally. But he also was releasing an Abba revelation, which Paul echoed, that our hearts don't cry, uh, our hearts don't cry, you know, judge, headmaster, lawyer, the heart, our hearts cry, Abba. Father. And the reason for that is we we are family. We've always been family. Humanity's always been family. Okay, so no one's ever been under a covenant. They just needed to believe they were because that's what they were comfortable with. So if you're to the point where you no longer need to believe you're in a covenant to feel safe, then you don't need it anymore. But you couldn't get here without that new covenant revelation. To me, this is the most beautiful part about this journey is that every point on it is so important and you can't get to the next place without spending enough time in the in the previous places. So I love it because it keeps everything of equal importance. So, um, yeah, 
next episode I record will be from Kentucky. God bless you guys. Hope you enjoyed it.